0: Today marks the one-year anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. On behalf of everyone at TSN 1050, we continue to send out our thoughts and best wishes to the 16 families who lost a loved one in the tragic accident and to the 13 players who survived and continue their recovery alongside their families each and every day. You are always in the hearts and minds of Canadians and the entire hockey community. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, everybody. Yes, TSN Hockey Analytics NHL regular season finale, folks. It is time. The playoffs are here. 15 games on Saturday, and then the official march to the Stanley Cup playoffs begins. Wow, I can't wait. Get us on Twitter, at TSN Analytics. Myself, Andy McNamara, at AndyMC81. You can also watch right now on Twitch, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. Also going to be given away today, got a little prize. Our old buddy, Rob Volman, now working in the NHL, but I got a copy. I don't know if it was from the publisher or Volman himself, but it appeared here at TSN 1050, a brand spanking new copy of StatShot, a fan's guide to hockey analytics that Volman puts out every year. It's great. It really breaks down the importance of the underlying numbers to the games you're watching. So you can win this. All you got to do is retweet. The pin tweet of this show when it's up at TSN Analytics. Follow me on Twitter at andymc81 and follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash andymaclive. In just a couple moments, Travis Yost from tsn.ca will stop by. Sean Tierney, hockey graphs and the athletic after him. NHL Fantasy Awards time. Yes, get your tuxedos on, folks. James Harding from nhl.com, their great fantasy writer. He'll be by in a half hour. And to wrap it up, to talk some Maple Leafs, lots to talk about in Leafland, Jeff Bayette of faceoffcircle.com. C A. Let's bring him on now in his lead-off spot. It's Travis Joos from TSN.ca. Travis, how's it going, man? I'm doing good, Andy. How you doing? I'm doing well. Let's. Hey, it's it's time. It is time for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I want to really dive into a couple of your articles uh, from this past week. So, I have a feeling if, if a Maple Leaf fan. They would love your piece talking about how the the headline of your article, Offense Wins Championships in Today's NHL, because for Toronto, top five team in the league when it comes to goals scored per game. And we dive further into your article and discover that the top three teams in the NHL in scoring uh, chance generation rates are, in ascending order, Vegas, Calgary, and number one on the list is Toronto. So... Is the Leafs' offense so good that it's at the point where it'll mask defensive inefficiencies over a stretch of multiple games, like, uh, I don't know, say a, a seven-game series against Boston?
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's a pretty big jump there, Andy. Hypothetical. No, no, hypothetical. I think, <laughs> I think you raise a really good point here. Um, it, the overarching theme of that piece, uh, the, the piece from this week about offense winning championships, is there, there's a kind of a misnomer in that these Pittsburgh and Washington teams – uh, are, are completely different from the the legacy teams that have won in the modern era. That being Los Angeles, Chicago, um, Pittsburgh previously, uh, Boston. But uh, there are you know ten. You look at the last ten Stanley Cup winners, and they each have different lineups. They have different builds. They have different strengths. They have different weaknesses. So it's 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 hard to find commonality uh, other than these teams are very good. But the one the one true commonality that all of these teams shared is they were very, very, very good at generating dangerous attacking sequences. And I think a lot of I think teams accomplish it in a lot of different ways, right? We remember the L.A. Kings team from 2011. Um, they would dump and chase you to death. They would retrieve the puck in the on the forecheck, and they would generate chances like crazy. Teams like Pittsburgh and Washington more recently, that's more about, hey, how can we generate counterattacking opportunities? How can we find... Uh, our premier shooters in the slot um, on on you know three on two, two on one rush sequences. Uh, there, there are a lot of different ways to generate offense in this league, and the key piece to me is can you do it right? And that, and that and that's a that's a, a, bit of a loaded question, but if you look, uh, the last ten the last ten Stanley Cup winners, every single team has been about top five in the league, plus or minus. Um, in generating scoring chances. That That's pretty uh, That's pretty indicative. It's actually a much better predictor of a team's chance of winning a Stanley Cup than their ability to score goals, which is fascinating to me. Um, but you raised the three teams, the big three, Calgary, uh, Toronto, and Vegas. I don't think anyone would be surprised if those three at the top of the list. Tampa Bay and San Jose are right up there, too. Um, so that gives you a pretty sweet top five uh, group that we're talking about here. But the, the, the thing with Toronto, and this is going to be the reality, is that they have a very very good hockey team, and I really don't hold a lot of what's happened over the last month against them. I, I there have been defensive questions all year. Um, clearly, they they need to find a solution for in the backup goaltending department uh, this off season because that's been one of the big reasons uh, they've struggled. Combined with Freddie Anderson going through a bit of a slump there too, um, they, their offense can absolutely whitewash their defense. There is no doubt in my mind. The question which you kind of alluded to is, can they do it against Boston? I, I, I would have much more confidence that they could do it, and I'm just picking teams arbitrarily, but if they played a Winnipeg or if they played a Washington or if they played a Pittsburgh, I truly think Toronto could score themselves simply scoring themselves to uh, winning a series. Boston has just this impressive resume of being able to slow down these types of offenses. They are a very unique team like that. There are very few other teams around the league. And let's be honest, Boston, if Tampa Bay didn't exist, we might be talking about Boston as the best team in the league. Yeah. So Toronto has to deal with this issue of we're a good team going up against a very, very good team. And, and again, I, this is kind of the, the seesaw battle, which is how much do you, if Toronto loses in six or seven games to Boston, uh, how do you post mortem that? Because I, on one hand you're like, wow, really tough draw. We have a, we clearly had a really good team look at the regular season. On the other hand, you've now had you know three years in a row and four years in Mike Babcock's tenure where they haven't won a playoff series. So that it, it, there's going to be change coming this summer, regardless. But I, I got to be honest, in terms of matchups, that in the San Jose Vegas series, it, it's not going to. I hope they're back to back each night too, because those are those are going to be far and away. Uh, the two best series that we have in the
0: first round. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. And in conversation with Travis Yost on Twitter at Travis Yost from TSN.ca, let's get to it. It's you know it was a, it was a little dicey for a time with the Columbus Blue Jackets, but Travis, we talked about our admiration for GM Yarmo Kekalainen of the Jackets, for his lack of fear, he showed approaching the deadline, loading up on some big-name talent, holding on to both of his star-pending UFAs, uh, Panarin and Bobrovsky, after last night's shootout win against the Rangers. Columbus is in the playoffs, and no one has to be nervous about Kiko and sacrificing assets at the deadline just to have missed the postseason. So, what do you feel is next for this group, Travis? Will it be a trade deadline shopping spree that results in a first-round exit? Or, with playoff matchups still to be determined, do you like Columbus's chances against either Tampa or last year's first-round opponent in Washington? T- Tampa's obviously the one you want to try to avoid.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, it's like, do you want a dollar or do you want $10,000? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they need to get... No team, it's kind of funny because we have all of our playoff teams and it's just a lot of jockeying right now for playoff positions, but I don't know that any team has as much of an incentive to win and scoreboard watch this weekend than Columbus. I mean, they 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 would be an underdog in a series against Washington, let's be honest, but that, that is a series where they have a shot. Uh, the Tampa Bay series would be absolutely brutal, uh, and, and that's going to be true for anyone, right? The thing about Columbus, though, and I, and I mentioned this last night, the piece that I admire so much about them getting hyper-aggressive at the deadline, I, I, I get it. They could go into a Tampa Bay series losing five or six, and everyone's like, well, what was that actually worth, right? They spent a ton and got very little out of it. I mean, they made the playoffs, but they got a couple home games, and that's pretty much it. To me, it's more about, like, what kind of league do we want to foster? What kind of culture do we want to foster in this league? And this is the one area where I think at least my, my staff friends and, and myself to a large too, um, tend to get some of this wrong, which is you know we constantly talk about building cap space, building future assets, this perpetual long term plan for contention, and yes, that is absolutely the right way to build a long term contender. But if you always think about it from that perspective, it, it almost becomes paralyzing, right? Like especially this year, like think about like these mid team tweener teams that that were sitting on the fence. You look around and you're like, well, we can't possibly beat Tampa Bay, so why don't we just sell everything? And, and I, don't, I don't know that that's the type of NHL or league in general that we want where it's basically three teams really making a push and, you know, 28 or 29 teams when Seattle comes in that are like, no, we're going to wait a couple of years. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, think, I think there's real merit to fostering competitiveness in this league. Uh, I think it is absolutely debatable about uh, what, what Columbus spent to get some of these assets, and whether it was the right way to do it. And I'm not saying that those aren't legitimate discussions. What I am saying is, I'm glad they made the postseason, if only because if they missed it, can you you know how the NHL is? I, the the chilling effect that that would have had. You would have heard for ten years. Well, don't remember, don't forget what Columbus did. They spent money and didn't get anything out of it. Exactly. I'm glad we don't. Have, I'm glad we don't have to hear that piece. It's great for the sport. It's great for the league. It's great for the trade deadline. Uh, it's great for us because we get to talk about these fun trades that happen and roster moves and acquisitions and whatnot. So again, I it, not a, not a not a big rooting interest in the playoffs for them one way or another. But I uh, was glad to see them make it. I, unfortunately, I will say this though, Montreal was one of the 16, te- uh, 16 best teams in the league. It, it's kind of a shame that they they missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, I you know this is this is what happens when you have confidence and balance. But Montreal deserved to make it. Uh tough 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 to see them miss it,
0: but uh man i no, keep an eye on them for next year. Not in this market, Travis. We're we're not shedding any tears over the Habs, brother. <laughs> <laughs> thank no, you, thank s-
1: This is the rules. We're <laughs> we're neutral against all.
0: That's right. Uh last one for you here, Travis. Let's get into uh that Winnipeg Jets team. And you wrote <laughs> and it was it was essentially the theme was what the hell happened to the Winnipeg Jets? If we look at the playoff matchup still to be determined um, in the Central, you have Nashville in first with 98 points, Winnipeg at 97 in second, Blues in third at 97 points, and Jets have the regulation overtime win tiebreaker advantage over both these teams. But as you detailed on tsn.ca, it's been a, a bit of a clunker in Winnipeg lately, right? So how beneficial would it be? for the Jets to get first in the Central, resulting in playing the wild-card Dallas Stars as opposed to playing within their division in that first-round group going up against Nashville or St. Louis?
1: I think the one thing the hockey community got wrong, and and me is more than maybe anyone, I I don't know what happened to Winnipeg and Nashville, but neither are even remotely top-five teams. I mean, Winnipeg, the, the piece about Winnipeg, I haven't seen... I've been doing this for almost ten years, at least from the stat side. I have never seen a team with that much talent and really a track record too we 're not just saying oh the talent's on paper right Winnipeg's got two years of being a very dominant team. I have never seen a team crater and crash like they have in my life um, and and again let's let's not overparalyze this by way of a couple of big blue line injuries I, I don't want it to discount losing Dustin Bufflin and Josh Morrissey I, they're both Phenomenal. But Dustin Bufflin's back in the lineup. Josh Morrissey's on his way. This is mostly, mostly the same team that's dominated pretty much everyone for the last two, two and a half years. And they're getting outchanced and outshot like 56-44 over the last 30 games. I mean, they, they don't even look good from an NHL perspective, let alone a playoff contender perspective. And the only saving grace right now for how badly Winnipeg is playing Basically, they have a great power play and horrible everything else. Um, The only saving grace is that the one other team that's really taken a big step back, in my opinion, this year is Nashville. And if they can get a series with Nashville, they at least offer themselves the opportunity to kind of right this ship uh, in in, in what could be an entertaining first-round series, but I I don't think that's nearly the type of series we thought we would get last summer. Now, again, back to your original question, to me, a doomsday scenario is St. Louis wins that division because – you know, maybe it does offer up Winnipeg the opportunity to get Nashville in the first round. Uh, but if, if St. Louis is going to have home ice in that advantage, the way we, the home ice uh, advantage in a second-round series, um, it, the, the, way it, the way it would set up, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence in Winnipeg being able to win that series right now. It, it has very little to do with St. Louis. I, I know the Blues have been fantastic of late. I'm just so bearish on, on the Jets right now. There, there's one stat that I'm just absolutely blown away by. Mark Scheifele, who I consider a superstar, and I, I don't think anyone would debate that, uh, he's getting like 41% of the shots on the ice over the last 30 games. I, I cannot remember wow. a, a superstar player on a good team um, getting those types of really, really, really just, just awful 5-on-5 performance numbers. I, my, my theory, and I wrote about it in the piece, for whatever reason, and I don't know what, there could be a million reasons why they part broke, their blue line is having an, an unbelievable difficulty getting the puck out of the defensive zone. Um, the forwards aren't showing. A lot of it, what happens tends to be is either a defender's going to turn it over in the defensive third because he doesn't have the, the outlet passing um, to transition through the neutral, or he's throwing the puck off the boards and it's coming right back in. Not only does that create so much time against in the defensive zone, but it really eliminates or mitigates their star power and their offensive power uh, because they can't get in the offensive zone frequently. So I, Look, I, I, have been bearish on, I have been bullish on Winnipeg for, for years, but I, I have really cooled on them of late. Uh, they're playing really, really, really bad hockey. And unfortunately, uh, you play this type of hockey this late in the season, heading into the playoffs, more often than not, we see these teams get bounced and not right the ship.
0: So, Well, it's all going to start next week, last day of the regular season. Uh, 15 games in the NHL, and we will have this all sorted out by the end of the night. Travis, great stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care, Andy. All right, Travis Yost bringing it, as he always does, from TSN.ca. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at AndyMC81. And uh, Travis, of course, at Travis Yost. Uh, Sean Tierney, Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, coming up. Next, We're going to have our Analytics Insider Fantasy Hockey Awards also later in the show. And plenty of Maple Leafs talk to wrap things up later. Travis Yost was brought to you on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Make sure you go grab yourself. You can get unlimited medium two-topping pizzas. Just order two online. And you can get ten if you want for just $7.99 each. Fresh toppings. Check it out. Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Sean Tierney next here on TSN Hockey Analytics. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's unlimited two-topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each. That's right, as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas. So stock up, dig in, and feed that hunger with unlimited two-topping medium pizzas. Perfect for the big game, a busy night with the family, or just because. Order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert. That's dominoes.ca.
2: Get the meaning
1: behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey.
0: Back and rolling on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. You can also watch the program live here on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash Live. And, heck, you can win a copy of Stat Shot, a fan's guide to hockey analytics, the new volume from our buddy Rob Volman. Got a brand spanking new copy I'm holding right here. All you have to do to win is retweet the TSN Hockey Analytics pin tweet when the new episode is up at TSN Analytics. Retweet that and then follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash andymaclive. You get bonus entries if you do that, as well as leave a comment in the comment section with the show going on right now. So twitch.tv slash Live. We have our Fantasy Hockey Awards coming up in a few minutes, but let's get to our buddy Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic. Sean, how's it going, man? Doing well, Andy. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. So uh, we all know last postseason ended with the Washington Capitals defeating the Vegas Golden Knights for the Stanley Cup. We flash forward to present day. Both of these teams back in the playoff picture, and both have done well as of late. each having a strong month to finish the year. Now we saw the Penguins win back-to-back Cups in 2016 and 2017, but that's obviously not an easy task. So what I want to know from you is, between Vegas and Washington, is there a team you like more to make it back to the Cup Final for a second consecutive year?
3: Well, I'm never popular on Twitter for the way I go after the Washington Capitals. (laughs) But for me, when, uh, when you're weighing these two teams... Vegas has been just incredible again this season with sort of excellent stats across the board. They've been a top-two team in shot share, trailing only the Hurricanes throughout the year. Their uh, share of expected goals has been in the top two or three all season. And so they're a team that they can really bring, especially at even strength, they really bring a ton of quality chances, and they always seem to control the play. If they've got Marc-Andre Fleury playing the way he was just before he went out on injury when he seemed to be kind of Rounding into Foreman was at least a league average goalie, if not a little bit better. I like Vegas, especially in kind of a, you know, less competitive version of the West than we've seen in the past. I think Vegas is a team that might be able to, you know, get all the way back, maybe right to the final. Washington's kind of the opposite. Um, you know, year after year, they do this thing where they really overperform their expected goals. And, you know, there's a debate around that. Is Ovechkin enough of an impact that his elite shooting could maybe drive those numbers up on his own or his nets Kuznetsov? Do they have that kind of elite talent that we should expect them maybe to overperform their metrics underneath? But in the past, especially last year, Washington really kind of came around as the playoffs uh, sort of came into view. And and by the time they got into the playoffs, they looked like a really good expected goals team. They were controlling the share. And that hasn't happened this year. They sort of showed a little bit of life in March. And then they've gone right back into the tank as March ended and April began. So for me if we're picking one of those, I like the Knights to get back and I see the Capitals as a team that, you know, is still has some flaws and relies on some long distance shooting and I'm just not sure that I would be convinced that they're going all the way back to the finals through the
0: East. We'll wait to see if Twitter explodes on you on that, Sean. We'll uh, we'll <laughs> we'll have a live react there. Uh, last week, we used the MoneyPuck.com odds to ask Mike and McCurdy a question about St. Louis, who at the time had the second-best chance to win the Stanley Cup, according to MoneyPuck. Since then, San Jose has surpassed St. Louis as the team second to the Lightning in terms of likelihood of winning the Cup. Yet we see the Sharks. They're stumbling into the playoffs, record of 2-7-1 and one in their last 10 games. What is your read on the Sharks as we enter the first round with their opponent being the Vegas Golden Knights?
3: The Sharks are remarkably similar to the Knights in some of those key stats that we look at. They've been a, a super high flyer kind of across the board again. Their sh- uh, shot share is extremely strong. They've been top three all season long. They actually limit shots, again, better than any other team at even strength, which is pretty incredible. They generate a ton of quality chances for and they limit quality against. And their shooting percentage as a team at even strength has been a big, big plus. So, you know, a lot of things about the Sharks are extremely positive and I like them a lot. And I think it's unfair for them in a way that they draw the Knights in round one because, you know, both these teams are teams that could do some damage. But, and the giant but in this situation, is that the Sharks have been absolutely killed by goaltending this season, maybe more than any other team as a team, their even strength, save percentage is the lowest in the league. And that hasn't really shone through because, you know, uh, Martin Jones has just done basically nothing to support the great work that's been done in front of them. So, Uh, I like the Sharks kind of overall, but I think if you're looking for a team that's primed to be bounced early, it's very difficult to go on a run through the playoffs without a hot goalie, and they have about the worst starting goaltending in the league and at a playoff team that's going to stand out really big and really early. So I see the Sharks as a team that's going to get bounced. They just haven't had the goaltending, and it's too bad because they've been great basically in all other facets all season long.
0: In conversation with Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs on Twitter at Charting Hockey. Joining us on the Domino's Pizza Delivery Line. Go grab yourself a large four topping pizza for just twelve ninety nine. The marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check out all the great delivery and carryout deals at Domino's.ca and our hockey analytics insider brought to you by one in one hundred. Win killer seats to any Toronto game for less than the cost of a pitcher of beer. Go to one in 100.net1 in 100.net and check it out today very cool site. So Sean as we look at typically overall as Canadians we like to see Canadian teams in the playoffs in some degree or another. In Toronto obviously the market people aren't too upset about Montreal I'm missing it but unfortunately for Habs fans they're out Blue Jackets shootout eliminated Montreal. That leaves Columbus and Carolina as the Eastern Wild Card teams. So while Colorado and Dallas will hold the final two spots in the West, of those four Wild Card teams, is there one that screams upset candidate to you?
3: Right, I, and I'm kind of an unabashed uh, Hurricanes pumper right now. There you they, go. Right, so they finally got the results they deserved. They've been just a giant leader in Corsi 4 percentage in terms of generating shots for. They've been far and away the leader in generating uh, quality chances for as well, that expected goals for rate. And they've done pretty good at uh, sort of limiting the chances that come back against them. For the first time in, you know, several years, they finally had league average goaltending, and that's a far cry from what they've had. They've had so much worse for the past few seasons. Their shooting percentage still kind of killed them. They were right in the bottom five for most of the year, but they did climb out of the basement in the big hole they had been early in the year. So for me, I I love the Hurricanes. Everything that they do is trending in the right direction. They became such a big story, and and that kind of stands outside of the stats. But they're coming in with that momentum and kind of the city behind them. So for me, if we're picking one of those wildcard teams that could really do some damage, I think it's got to be the Hurricanes. They've brought all the things advanced stats people love to the game. They finally got some goaltending, and they got some results from it. So for me, you know, sort of uh, as detached as I try to remain from any one team, that's the one I'll be looking for and sort of cheering for the dark horse or upset candidate as we go in the first round.
0: All right, and they got those cool shirts too, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's all about. Uh, All right, last one for you here, Shawnee. Maple Leaf fans, boy, we've been... Leaf fans have been a little bit down lately, right? 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. Defense has been suspect. Goaltending. There, there's been a few bright spots this week, though. Jake Gardner's back. Callie Rosen stepped up, filled the hole in the third defensive pairing. Freddie Anderson did have a strong game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know how good they are. And I believe the upcoming series against the Bruins isn't as one-sided as people think. Although, I do agree the Leafs are... The underdog, I mean, even if it's a slight underdog, Let, so let's be optimistic for for Toronto for the TSN 1050 Toronto listeners here for a moment, and assume Toronto is going to pull the upset. They beat Boston. Let's let's just say it. What do you think will be the main reason why the Leafs will succeed against the Bruins? If you're making that argument,
3: so I actually legitimately come into this series uh, with some optimism for Leafs fans that is you know truly genuine. Their share of expected goals has been on a sharp uptick, even through the sort of uh, wonky end of the season that they had and some of the losses that have looked ugly. Their play underneath has actually been getting much better. Their expected goal rate for is climbing, and their expected goal rate against has fallen. We got some of that regression that we might have expected from Anderson, who was you know, just playing incredible for months and months, and he came back down to earth. Um, but he's still an above-average goalie, definitely a top 10, probably a top 5 in the league. So if the Leafs are going to give the Bruins some trouble in the first round, it's going to fall on Anderson's shoulders just like it has all season. The Leafs are a team that play fast. They can score with anybody. They generate tons of quality for, but they've been a team that continues to give up a ton of shots against and lots of quality against. There that you know, sort of traditional, you know, running with their pants on fire kind of team where you're looking for offense and you don't mind giving up offense in return. If Anderson is that way above average goalie that he seemed to be for most of the year, the Leafs are going to give the Bruins, because the Bruins just don't run as deep offensively as the Leafs can. But if Anderson looks anything like average, the Leafs give up way too much against, and then it's going to be, you know, maybe a gloomy and depressing series for Leaf fans. But I do see this as a series where the Leafs come in with depth they have the scoring power to do it. And if Anderson looks like he did early in the season, I don't see this as an automatic win for the Bruins. I think the Leafs can pull it out.
0: Good stuff, Sean. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll talk to you again Thanks. very soon. Thanks, Andy. All right. There you go, Sean Tierney. Hockey graphs on Twitter. Give him a follow at Charting Hockey. The charts Sean puts out are incredible. So check that out there. Um, We're going to take the break. Fantasy hockey award time. We'll put on our tuxedos, get the award music going. James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer, joins me next for the Fantasy Hockey regular season awards and also some tips if you're still playing this weekend on DFS, getting ready for the Fantasy Hockey playoffs. All right, that'll be coming up next on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050.
1: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. We're
0: rolling along here on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1050. C, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. The show at TSN Analytics, and you can watch right now live on Twitch TV, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive. And you can win a copy of the StatShot book by our buddy Rob Volman. StatShot, a fan's guide to hockey analytics. All you got to do is retweet at TSN Analytics, the pinned tweet there. And also, you get five bonus entries if you follow on twitch.tv slash Live. Follow me there and leave a comment. You will get an entry. Birthday shout-out on Twitch. Uh, XO underscore YG says, it's my birthday. Can I get a shout-out? Happy birthday, right there! Let's bring in. I don't think it's his birthday, but we got our guy, James Harding, NHL.com fantasy writer. James, how are you?
4: It's not my birthday, Andy, but it feels like it's uh, getting to a holiday season because the playoffs start in just four days.
0: Oh, you know that's right, right, brother? You know that's right. And you know what? We go all year. We give the tips. We give the stock up, stock down. But now it's time. I said before. You know what? We got to put on our proverbial tuxedos here and, and get to some some awards. Let's get to some award music and get ready for the Fantasy Hockey uh, Awards here and begin with... I think we should start with the different categories. There we go, a L- little delayed Oscar glitch. There, we can enjoy that. We'll go forward, we'll go rookie, defense, and goalie. Let's begin with forward. Who is your Fantasy Hockey Forward of the year?
4: Not- I don't think that this one is really going to be too much of a surprise, but it has to go to Nikita Kucherov from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, When you look at the season that he had for them, uh, 40 goals, 86 assists, 126 points. How about this stat here? 48 power play points. Like, just just let that resonate for a second. Think of how many guys in the NHL don't even hit like 40 points or 45 points or 50 points in a season. He had 48 on the power play alone. Uh, he, he, was just a step above, uh, everybody else this season, but some other really phenomenal performances out there too. Patrick Kane had a career year with 109 points, beating the 106 from his heart trophy candidate, uh, heart trophy season three years ago. Leandra Seidel, if he can score a goal tonight, would be the only player in the NHL this season with 50 goals and 50 assists. Um, so there were really some phenomenal, forward performances out there this season, but Nikita Kucherov was just a a cut above everyone else.
0: So we'll have our, we should come up with a trophy. Maybe, I don't know, a puck and a a hockey stick and a couch or something. But, okay, that's the forward awards. What about your rookie fantasy hockey award for this regular season?
4: Yeah, and, and I think we know where I'm going with this one. I've been beating his drum since day one of the season from the Vancouver Canucks, and that's Elias Pettersson. Uh, when when you look at what he did this season on that team uh, he was given very very little to work with Brock Besser was in and out of the lineup multiple points this season Uh, that team was ravaged with injuries he had different line mates a lot throughout the year, 70 games played to date, he still has one more to play tonight 65 points, leads all rookies in scoring by 20 points the next closest is Brady from the Ottawa Senators who has Forty-five points. Uh, you know a few other guys as well. Andreas Johnson from the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ross Stalman from the Buffalo Sabers, Andrei Sveshnikov from the Hurricanes, all had very respectable rookie seasons. Um, but I said at the beginning of the year, Elias Pettersson was going to be the rookie to watch out for, uh, and he lived up to the hype. And uh, this kid is going to be elite really soon. If uh, with Besser and Quinn Hughes and the the core that they're building out in Vancouver, um, that's going to be a fantasy hockey goldmine. For years to come with guys like that. And it's going to be led by a lot of Patterson.
0: Yeah, James, you've been calling that all year long. James Harding, fantasy hockey writer for NHL.com on Twitter at jhardinghockey joins me on the Domino's delivery line. Go get yourself, folks. How about this for a deal? Unlimited, unlimited medium two-topping pizzas for just $7.99 each. All you have to do is order a minimum of two. You can get 10, 15, whatever amount of pizzas you want for just $7.99. Unlimited medium two-topping pizzas. Go check it out right now at dominoes.ca. Okay, James. We got the rookie. We got the Ford Fantasy Hockey Award. What about defense? Who takes home the trophy?
4: Yeah, and this is a, a really tight race. There's three guys that it could really go towards. Uh, he, you know, Brent Burns had a phenomenal season, led all defensemen in scoring. Morgan Riley from the Maple Leafs had a career year for them, uh, 72 points. But I'm giving it this year to Mark Giordano from the Flames. Uh, when you look at the season that the Flames had and when you look at the season that he had as well, uh, 74 points, 57 assists, uh, 21 power play points. Um, he was second among defensemen in scoring behind Burns. Uh, but I just think the all-around overall impact that uh, Giordano had kind of puts him a little bit ahead. When you look at all the pieces that Burns had in San Jose to work with compared to everything that Giordano had, yes, he has Sean Monahan and he has uh, Johnny Gaudreau there. Uh, Lindholm had a breakout season there as well. But uh, there was less to work with for Giordano to put up that amount of stats compared to what Burns had in San Jose. Both had phenomenal seasons, probably the two top fantasy defensemen uh, in fantasy this year. But I'm, I'm going to give it to Giordano over Burns because it seems like Burns is just there uh, every year, which
0: isn't a bad thing. Exactly. And the last Fantasy Hockey Award, James, goes to the men in between the pipe who take a beating, who get dumped on quite often. But who is the Fantasy Hockey goalie of the year for you?
4: Yeah, and and the obvious choice here is Andre Vasilevsky, and he probably will uh win the Vesna, but I'm actually going to give it to Jordan Bennington from the okay. St. Louis Blues. When, when you saw what this kid came in, all right, through five games, he was really phenomenal. I think he was unbeaten. Through 10 games, he had only lost one game. You're like, all right, he's going to cool down at some point. 31 games, and he is 23-5-1. Pretty much put the Blues on his back, and backstop them into the playoffs. Leads the NHL with a 1.89 goals against average. This was not a fluke. Uh, you know, 10 games is a small enough sample size where you could say, okay, he might cool down. 31 games is an absolute burner. Uh, and and so this kid over the second half of the season just came in, put that team on his shoulders, put up incredible numbers. Uh, you know, 25, 23-5 and one, a 1.89 and a, a, a nine. 27 save percentage with five shutouts in 31 games. Uh, and it's too hard to overlook. As good of a season as Vasilevsky had, Ben Bishop, uh, Sergey Bobrovsky, guys like that. I'm giving mine to Jordan Bennington.
0: Love it. Those are your fantasy hockey awards, courtesy of James Harding NHL.com fantasy writer. If you agree, disagree. James, we'll talk to you on Twitter, at jharding underscore hockey. James, real quick before we let you go, 15 games, 15 on the NHL schedule to wrap up the regular season Saturday. Give me one quick value play on your DraftKings.com line because that's really the way you're going to be able to have a lot of fun this weekend uh, and get ready for the Stanley Cup playoffs.
4: Yeah, uh, three-game point streak for forward Drake Cajula from the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, They have a tricky matchup tonight against Nashville, who is trying to win to secure the Central Division um, but he's only $3,400 skating on their first line with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. So he's got that elite level exposure. Uh, four assists in his last three games. Uh, really love what he's doing there. So I, I think that Chicago is going to score a little bit tonight. I ultimately think that Nashville is going to win that game. Uh, but I like Drake Ajula, $3,400. Plug him in uh, playing on the
0: Blackhawks first line. Book it, baby. James, thank you so much as always, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Absolutely, dude. See you then. There he goes. James Harding, com fantasy writer on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. And folks, it is Masters Week. Yes, talking golf on TSN Hockey Analytics, but this is why. It's Masters Week, and FanshareSports.com is here to help you build your winning fantasy golf lineup. We talk about fantasy hockey, but fantasy golf, it's up and coming, it's really cool. FanShare Sports saves you precious research time by linking you to a wide range of fantasy golf content from across the industry. So by tracking industry buzz and sentiment, only FanShare Pro gives you the data you need to win. So you go to fansharesports.com today, fansharesports.com to see who's getting the buzz for Augusta and the Masters. You get 20% off any FanShare Pro subscription using promo code ANDY. ANDY Promo code Andy. You get 20% off your Fanshare Pro subscription. So do it. Get into fantasy golf. Enjoy the Masters even more. Get that bit of advantage with FanshareSports.com. We'll step aside. Be back to wrap up the show. Jeff Fayette from FaceOffCircle.ca. Maple Leaf conversation aplenty to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050. If you're hungry, check out this great deal from Domino's unlimited two topping medium pizzas for just $7.99 each that's right as many pizzas as you want with a minimum purchase of two pizzas so stock up dig in and feed that hunger with unlimited two topping medium pizzas perfect for the big game a busy night with the family or just because order online today at dominoes.ca and add on some great side dishes and dessert that's dominoes.ca
1: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the
0: voice of hockey. Back to wrap up TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto, the iHeartRadio app, tsn1050.ca on Twitter. Follow the show at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. And you can win a copy of Stat Shot, a fan's guide to hockey analytics by our buddy Rob Volman by simply retweeting the pinned tweet at TSN Analytics and following me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash AndyMacLive, where you can watch the show live now. Follow me there, leave a comment, and you will be entered to win the book. But the Maple Leafs, the playoffs are starting up and we, we, we knew it was going to be against the Boston Bruins for, forever now. But let's get into a little bit of the underlying storyline as we approach the postseason. Jeff Fayette from FaceOffCircle.ca joins me. Jeff, how are you, man?
2: Fantastic. Just got into Montreal. Going to be at the game tonight. It's, uh, it's going to be a cool way to wrap
0: up the season. Absolutely good. Enjoy yourself there. But before we get into the playoff series with the Bruins, let's get into the, the weird situation at least practice yesterday. First, Michael Hutchinson recalled from the Marlies. Then Garrett Sparks wasn't on the ice. Then Sparks' stall in the locker room wasn't there anymore. Like, was 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 he gone? What, What happened? Then, head coach Mike Babcock announced that Sparks will be away for 10 days working with the Leafs' goalie coaches on building his game back. And many read Sparks making the team in October, resulting in veteran Curtin McElhaney, of course, being waived, as GM Kyle Dubas sort of vouching for his young guy that came up through the Leafs' system with the Marlies. And when a team is as good as the Leafs, the little things become the issues, which is, I think, the case here, Jeff, with the, the backup goalie situation. How has your opinion evolved on Sparks throughout the season?
2: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think this is a bit of an over-discussed topic, especially as we get uh, to the playoffs. Uh, at the end of the day, you don't want your backup goalie playing a single minute once you get into the postseason. And exactly. What happens, you're kind of in a little bit of trouble to begin with, whether it's Sparks, Hutchinson, one of us, in that if it's happening, <laughs> it's, it's already a bit of an issue. Uh, obviously, it's not the season that Sparks really wanted uh, out of himself, especially after coming off of one of the best uh, seasons in AHL history, uh, putting up a 936, winning the Calder Cup, uh, and just really starting to come into his own as a starting goaltender, which I wonder if that plays into it a little bit is the fact that he came into that team as a backup, inched his way up bit by bit and they were grooming him uh for years to become this starting goaltender who can take on that sort of workload. He finally gets it and all and all of a sudden it's ripped uh it's ripped back out of him. He's starting uh, at square one and as we've seen in some of his quotes that he's a pretty emotional guy. So like kind of adjusting to that. Uh, probably uh, is not the most optimal thing. Uh, obviously, you're looking at a below league average save percentage, not by a ton. I think it's over it overstated uh, how quote unquote bad he's been. He's kind of in the mid range of what uh, most backup goalies are, but you would um, expect better. Uh, I was actually I was talking to Mark Savard about this yesterday because he brought up uh, McIlwainy and he felt that if McIlwainy was that goalie for those games. Uh, the lease would have home ice advantage. And I kind of broke it down a little bit, looked at their difference in quality start percentage and kind of looked at how many goals Sparks would have had to have turned from goals against into saves, uh, to get to the same save percentage as McElaney put up this year. He had a pretty big drop as well. He went from 933 to 912. And it's really, it's not enough of a difference to have, uh, made a difference in the standings. Like it doesn't flip home ice. Uh, we're talking about maybe a win or two, which, yeah, in the margins, uh, you want those wins and you want to get every advantage you can. Uh, but considering how much we've talked about this and to figure out that it's basically been meaningless to the overall result of the season, I'm not too worried about it. Once you're going into the playoffs, you're worried about Anderson. I figure this 10-day break or whatever is probably going to be uh, good for Sparks mentally. It gives him a chance to reset. It gives the fans a chance to reset too and kind of look at when he enters Uh, next season as a second chance as he's kind of rehabilitated himself, whether or not much of that happens. I I think it's just a weird storyline. The way it came out was a bit odd, but it's not something that needs to be worried about, uh, in April.
0: Yeah, I, I like that, Jeff. Yeah, if, the, if your backup goalie's going, uh, that is a storyline. You're in more trouble than than you think. There in conversation with Jeff Byett from FaceoffCircle.ca. Join me on the Domino's Pizza delivery line. Go to Domino's.ca today, folks. Unlimited medium two-topping pizzas for seven ninety nine each. You order a minimum of two. Every pizza after that, you unlimited, right? Five, ten, twenty, whatever. Two-topping pizzas. Unlimited mediums for 7.99. You get all the great side dishes, cheesy bread, a marble cookie, brownie for dessert. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. All right, Jeff. So before we get into the specifics of the Leafs lineup, how do you feel big picture about this Leafs Bruins series? I, I try to be optimistic. We have uh, Uncle Leaf 60 on Twitch saying he's the, uh, the the biggest Leaf homer, but he thinks they'll they'll be uh, out physicald by the Boston Bruins for the May Please. How do you see this series unfolding?
2: Uh, I wouldn't worry too much with the physicality part. I think something that uh, a lot of Leaf fans don't seem to get is that even in Boston, they're talking about that team being one of the softer Bruins teams. I think there's such an association with the crest, with the history uh, that everyone's like, oh yeah, it's still the big tough Bruins, but they're not particularly big. They're not super tough anymore. They don't hit a ton outside of one of their lines. And then you kind of look at the matchups and uh, I mean, for starters, I think last year's uh, series was a winnable one. I think that there were a few cases of, of bad luck, a few cases where Anderson didn't have great nights, but mostly I thought it was a tactical victory uh, by the Bruins. Not so much the actual total talent level, but uh, Boston did a really good job of kind of suffocating Toronto's defensive breakout. It was very obvious that um, the left-side defensemen were always going to go for the carry or the pass, the right side the fence, and we're always going to go for the dump in. So you kind of let them punch the puck on that side. You always force the guy on the left. It really suffocated the Leafs and made it so they couldn't make a uh, constructive place. I think if Toronto can address that, and, I, and a call-up like Callie Rosen, who I know we're talking about in a little bit, might be a piece that can help with that, or if Justin Hall gets a couple more reps in. Obviously, getting Jake Gardner and Travis Dermott back in time um, makes a world of difference, too. Uh, if they can keep the, the defense corps more mobile, more creative, that's really helpful. Um, I think the, the, the other main concern is that first line matchup. Obviously, uh, that Pastor Bergeron Marchand line is one of the best lines. They brought the best line of our generation, let alone, uh, today, the way that they can all dominate play. Uh, and they suffocated the, the Matthews line last season, but having John Tavares now and having that line that he has with Mitch Marner and Zach Hyman, uh, that, that changes a lot of things. It means that they have to kind of pick, uh, which one they go with and it gives another, Uh, Leafs first line quality line, even upper first line quality line, no matter which way you slice it, a little bit of, uh, of extra wiggle room. Like you compare the two, the two teams after the first line and oh, it's, it's pretty staggering. Like the Leafs clearly have the advantage of being into lines two, three, and four. Uh, even on defense, like they have guys like, uh, McAvoy, Chara, um, Krug. Uh, but they're not exactly a dominant team in that regard either. And then obviously goaltending, uh, that's that's the case in any playoff series. You're hoping that your guy gets ahead of the other guy, With Rask and Frederick Anderson. You have two guys who can be dominant at their best and really struggle at their worst. We saw that last year where they both had a couple of really good performances, a couple of really terrible performances. And luckily for the Bruins, they had uh, a couple more out of Rask than Luis caught out of Anderson. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm confident because you're never really confident about a playoff series, but I don't think this is some unclimbable mountain. I thought it was climbable last year, and I think they're better suited to climb it this year. Uh, it's not something that I'd worry too much about. It's, it should be a fun series. It can go either way, uh, but I think that's the, the key to remember is that it really can go either way.
0: Jeff, great stuff. You, you give Lee fans some hope. Everyone's wringing their hands, but I hope it goes the way you say, and at least it is a real competitive series that'll probably go six or seven there. Jeff, let's do this again real soon, man. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. That's Jeff Veyat live from Montreal. Regular season finale for the NFL, or NHL. 15 games, and then the Stanley Cup playoffs starts up. Thank you so much to all our guests, Yost, Tierney, Harding, Viette. For producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050.